Sunday we're going to continue the series on the teachings on the last days, the second volume. And in the previous teaching we closed off uh, examining the person of the Antichrist and the false prophet and uh, what their reign will be like in the earth. And then we also had a look at how our Lord will destroy them at the Battle of Armageddon when our Lord actually does return to the earth to set up his millennial reign on the earth. Uh, today what we want to look at is uh, the topic of the, the incident that will occur when the Jews actually do flee Israel. Um, and it's because it's this topic here that leads us then into the, the event of the great tribulation that our Lord Jesus Christ spoke about in Matthew and Mark's gospel. Um, and so we want to have a look at that particular event so we have a clear understanding of uh, how that event will come about and um, the result of uh, what will occur in Israel at that time. So the passage of scripture that we want to open up with is in Luke chapter 21 verses 5 through to 24. And this is our Lord Jesus Christ speaking about the end times and uh, we wanted to hear from his mouth what he had to say on this particular subject. Scripture says, Then as some, some spoke of the temple and how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations, he said, These things which you see, the days will come, which not one stone will be left upon another, that shall not be thrown down. So they asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? Verse 8, and he said, verse 20, I'm, I'm skipping because this is really what he was talking about uh, when it came to the uh, destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its destruction is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant, and those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword, and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So here our Lord is talking about the end days, but this is a different scenario. What happens here is our Lord Jesus Christ is standing in the temple, and everybody says to him, Lord, look at the, the, you know, this magnificent temple that you're standing in, and then our Lord makes the comment that not one stone will be left upon another. Um, and so they ask him in the temple, they say to him, Teacher, when will these things be? And what sign will there be uh, when these things are about to take place? And in Luke's gospel account, our Lord responds to their question in the temple while he's standing with them. That's when he says, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. And so what our Lord Jesus Christ does here in Luke's account is he gives uh, he, he speaks on the end times in that passage you go read it in, in context he does speak about the end time events but when he talks about the destruction of that temple and he just talk, talks about the destruction of Jerusalem in that discourse because it's a, uh, he's standing in the temple at the time he talks to the Jews and his disciples about 
the event that is going to take place in the year 70 AD when the second temple was destroyed, Jerusalem was destroyed, and um, everybody in that uh, city was uh, slaughtered, basically. And so the account that uh, Luke records for us is a different account to the account that the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, they, that they record for us, we'll read it now. In Matthew's account and Mark's account, they're almost uh, word for word the same accounts. In that instance, our Lord is recounting the end-time events that will occur at the end. And he, in that discourse, he speaks to Peter, to James, to John, and to Andrew, to those four disciples. They draw him aside and they ask him privately, Lord, you know, can you give us some more input on this thing? Because what had happened is they were with the Lord when the disciples spoke to the Lord in the temple. And our Lord had then spoken about these things. And so that was in the temple. Afterwards, they go to the Mount of Olives. And now these four disciples come to the Lord and say, Lord, can you give us uh, a bit more insight? Now, when our Lord speaks to them on the Mount of Olives, he does not refer again to the destruction of the second temple in Jerusalem in AD 70. He then refers to uh, the defiling of the temple that will take place at the end of the age. But in Luke's account, it's very important for us to understand because a lot of Bible scholars get confused because they think that Luke, Mark, Matthew, and Mark is all the same account, but it's not. Our Lord is speaking uh, uh, on a, a separate occasion in Luke's account. Our Lord does elaborate on the end times, but when he speaks about uh, destruction of the temple and uh, Jerusalem, he's speaking about the, the event of AD 70 that would occur. Now, when our Lord spoke about that particular event, um, and so he speaks about two separate occasions when the Jews are to flee um, Israel. He speaks about it in this occasion, in Luke's account, he tells the Jews to flee Israel, Judea, he, he refers to it. And then in Mark and Matthew's account, he also tells the Jews to flee Judea. But there are two separate incidents, and in both incidents, the Lord warns his disciples to flee Judea. Now, in Luke's account, the, the sign that our Lord speaks about, that the, the disciples are to look out for before they flee, is different to the sign that our Lord speaks to the disciples about uh, when they are to flee Judea the second time. And we'll have a look at the, the second account now. But let's just go through this first account. Um, and so, what our Lord said to the, the disciples in this instance here, is that the sign that they were to look out for, he said, was, is that when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, um, that is in verse 20, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its destruction is near. And then our Lord says in verse 21, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and those who are in the midst of her, in the midst of Jerusalem, depart. And let not those who are in the country enter into her, talking about the city of Jerusalem. And so it seems kind of, if we just look at it on the surface, and we just look at the biblical account, we say to ourselves, but Lord, if Jerusalem is surrounded by armies, how do your disciples leave? Because they are, the city is surrounded by armies. And it's, uh, at that time, our Lord says, when they see that happen, when they, they see that sign 
happen? Because that's what the disciples are asking. They say, what sign will we have that this is about to take place when he talks about the destruction of the temple and the destruction of the city? Because they say to him, what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And so our Lord gives them the sign. The sign he gives them, he says, when you see, talking to his disciples now, he's warning his disciples, um, when you see the Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you know that's the sign. It's, it's destruction is now near. Um, now you need to get out there and flee. And so, you know, as I say, if we just look at the biblical account, we say, Lord, but, you know, it's too late because the, the, the city is surrounded by armies. Um, so how can the, 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 your disciples flee? Well, the, we, if you go look at the historical account or actually what did transpire, we can then understand why it is that the Lord gave the, the disciples this particular sign. Because what happened is in the latter um, from about 60 AD, um, but maybe just a couple of years after that, uh, Judea broke out in revolt against Rome. Because we understand that Rome was ruling over uh, Judea and Jerusalem at that time. They fell under the Roman Empire. And so Judea, Judea rebelled against Rome. Um, what happened was, in the year 66 AD, Rome sent her armies to the city of Jerusalem to quell this rebellion. Um, and what happened is that the Roman armies did surround the city of Jerusalem at that time, 66 AD. But they could not penetrate the city for whatever reason. Why? Well, you know, scripture. There's no, obviously no account in scripture. This is not historical records. Um, and so the Roman commander withdrew his armies from the city of Jerusalem and went back to the coast. Um, why he did that, you know, the historical accounts are not very clear on. But that was the sign, because our Lord said to his disciples, "When you see Jerusalem." surrounded by armies, then know that its destruction is near, and then our Lord said, now it's time for you to leave. So it wasn't a case of, well, now the, the, the armies are surrounding Jerusalem, Jerusalem gets taken and the temple gets destroyed, and it's at that time that the disciples must, relieve, must leave, because that is an impossible time to leave. But our Lord knew what was going to happen, obviously. And so in AD 66, that's the sign that occurred. The disciples living in Jerusalem recognized the sign at that time. And they left the city, 66 AD. They went to a, place, a town called Pella, which is on the other side of the Jordan. And so all the, 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 the Christians left the city of Jerusalem at that time because they recognized the sign. Our Lord said, when you see the city surrounded by armies, know that its destruction is near, and that's when you're to leave. And so that's exactly what they did. They left. The rest of the Jews obviously didn't recognize the sign because they didn't accept Jesus as their Messiah. They stayed in the city and continued with the rebellion. Now, in the year 70 AD, Rome sent her armies back to Jerusalem, or back into Judea, basically to quell the rebellion. And this time they went to the city of Jerusalem and they took the city of Jerusalem. Now when they did, it was during the feast of Passover, it was just uh, after the feast of Passover. Well, the feast of Passover was actually in um, being, being, being practiced at the time when the Roman armies arrived. And so they were 
uh, multitudes of Jews in Jerusalem because they had come to Jerusalem to attend the Feast of Passover. And that's when the armies of Rome once again came to the city and surrounded her. And, but this time was different because this time they actually took the city and this time they destroyed the temple. And there were you know, hundreds of thousands of the Jews were slaughtered in that city and it's estimated that over a hundred thousand were taken into captivity into Rome's uh, empire. And so you know, Jerusalem basically was then completely destroyed as a city belonging to the Jews. And that's when our Lord said that Jerusalem would then be trampled by the Gentiles. Um, he says in verse 24, And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And so that in, in Luke's account, our Lord is speaking about pertaining to, because a lot of Luke's account also relates to the end time events, and we're not going to go through that. But I'm talking about, because we're wanting to concentrate on today, the warning that our Lord gives to his disciples to flee uh, Jerusalem and Judea in the last days. In Luke's account, our Lord is not speaking to the Jews for the last days. He's speaking to the Jews, his Jewish disciples, for the year AD 70, that event. And so that's what our Lord said to them. Guys, he said, when you see those armies there, know its destruction is near, now you need to leave. And so our Lord gave them four years warning. And the Christians did leave. Now, for any Christian who decided not to leave at that time and stay in the city, they would have incurred the same penalty that all the Jews incurred in AD 70, when Rome did take the city, destroyed the temple, and was and killed uh, yeah, hundreds of thousands of, of Jews in the city and also then took a hundred thousand odd or into captivity. And so that's Luke's account. And so we need to understand the difference between Luke's account and Mark and Matthew's account. Because if we don't, we try and think that they're the same thing, well then we seem to think to ourselves, okay, Lord, uh, when Jerusalem sees herself surrounded by armies in the end days, now they have to flee. Um, the, the, the warning sign that our Lord gives for the end day event is different to the warning sign given for the event occurring in the year 70 AD. So it's very important for us to know that Luke's account, our Lord speaking in the temple, in answer to the question by the disciples. Matthew and Mark's account, our Lord is speaking on the Mount of Olives, and he's speaking directly to those four disciples, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, who asked him privately. And so the two accounts are different from this aspect, when in dealing with uh, Jerusalem and the, the temple. That's two accounts or two different accounts I was speaking about. In Luke's account, he's speaking about the year 70 AD. In Matthew and Mark's account, he's speaking about the temple in the last days. So that's what we need to understand. And so now let's have a look at our Lord's second warning then, because this is the event that's still to happen. Luke's account's event has already happened. Um, but uh, Mark and Matthew's account has not yet occurred. Scripture says, Then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and wood buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And that's now what Luke records as well, because that's when our Lord's in the temple and he speaks at that time. But now verse 3 is now the later, the, a, a later time, because in verse 3 he says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, um, opposite the temple, 
Peter, James, John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when will these things be? So our Lord had given a full discourse in the temple and so these four disciples had come to our Lord afterwards and said, you know, you really, I'm just paraphrasing, you really related some you know, detailed things about what's going to happen. So they wanted more input. And so now the Lord uh, replies to them, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled. Verse 5, and Jesus answering them began to say, and then he talks about a whole lot of things pertaining to the end times. But now he talks about, you know, skip to verse 14, um, but now he talks about the temple in the last days. So in, from verse 14 on, he's not talking about the, the uh, event in AD 70. Now he's talking about the event that will occur in the last days. Verse 14. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter. For in those days there will be tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of creation which God created until this time nor ever shall be. And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake whom he chose, he shortened those days. And so this account here is this referring to a future account. This is when um, the abomination of desolation will stand in the temple. Now Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 24, is almost word for word exactly the same as Mark's account of this particular event that our Lord is speaking about. And he is speaking privately to those four disciples because they ask him about the event. Um, and so in this account he's not talking about that year AD 70 because our Lord's instructions are different in this account. In the first account, our Lord signed to the, his disciples, when you see the army surrounding Jerusalem, then those destruction is there, then leave. And so we saw in AD 66 and AD, uh, that sign came about, his disciples left, and so the Lord's warning was heeded, and they, they weren't uh, included in the destruction of Jerusalem and, and the temple. The second time, our Lord doesn't afford the disciples that same uh, degree of warning because what he says is that the sign is completely different. In this one, he says, when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it ought not to. So that is referring to the person of the Antichrist actually standing in the temple. Now, if the person of the Antichrist was to stand in the temple as a result of his armies invading Israel, well, by that time that he's standing in the temple, Israel is conquered. And it's too late for anybody to do anything because now the Antichrist and his armies are all over Israel. And so the Israelites wouldn't, the Jews would not be able to leave. So if that was the case, that our Lord is saying, now you've got to get out, too late, Lord. You know, because the Antichrist is actually standing in the temple. His armies are all walking up and down the streets. Um, and have completely uh, you know, destroyed the Israeli army. So, you know, there's just no way that we can get up because now we're under the rule of the Antichrist. 
But that's not the case at all, because the Antichrist does not get to stand in the temple as a result of his armies invading Israel. It's different. Um, and our Lord is not unjust. So he gives his first his disciples in AD 70 fair warning to get out of Jerusalem so that they don't have to incur what the Jews actually incurred when the Roman armies invaded. And our Lord's doing the same thing here again. He's saying, guys, you don't need to leave before. But when you see this sign happen, in that the anti he doesn't call him the Antichrist, he calls him the abomination of desolation. But we know it's the Antichrist standing in the temple. And so our Lord says to his disciples, futuristically, now these are the disciples that will be injured in Israel at the time that this event is still to take place. He says, when they see the Antichrist standing in the temple, that's the time to leave. And he says, you've got to go straight away. He says, you're not allowed to even, you can't even pack. You just drop whatever you're doing and then you leave. And so there is sufficient time for his disciples to leave or to flee Judea and to go into the wilderness. We dealt with that when we dealt with the two witnesses. Um, but they have to leave straight away. They, whatever they're doing, wherever they are, at that moment when they see that event, when they see the Antichrist standing in the temple, now, how the Antichrist gets to stand in the temple, the Bible is silent about. The Lord doesn't give us any indication. But it's not through the invasion of the Muslim armies around Israel. Because, as I say, if that were the case, it would be too late. No one would be able to leave Jerusalem. They would already be under the control of the Antichrist. He would have conquered Israel. But our Lord says, when you see this person standing in the temple, no, that's the sign. And you have to leave straight away. And so, as I said, the Lord's warning sign is very short. He says, you, you, you do not have time to pack. He says, you, leave, you drop everything and you go. And so there is going to be sufficient time for the, the, the disciples to flee Jerusalem, flee, flee Judea, and get into the wilderness in time. But they have to leave straight away. That's the kind of uh, timeline that is provided for the disciples in Israel when this event occurs. Now, Matthew's account... He talks about, pray that your flight will not be um, in, on the Sabbath. Now the reason that he, he says that is purely because um, Israel kind of comes to a, a standstill on the Sabbath. And specifically the city of Jerusalem. There's just not, everything closes down because that's their day of rest. So there's no taxis, there's no businesses open. You know, it's just everything shuts down. So it makes it very difficult for people to flee um, into the wilderness if you know there's no transport and there's just no way of getting out. And so that's why the Lord instructs the disciples to pray that this event doesn't actually occur on the day of the Sabbath. Now, again, the two witnesses would not have yet appeared in Israel because the two witnesses only appear at the outset of the Antichrist beginning his three-and-a-half-year reign. Now, the Antichrist begins his three-and-a-half-year reign on this occasion when he stands in the temple. That's when his reign begins. And so the Jewish nation, by and large, will still be unbelievers as far as Jesus being the Messiah is concerned. And so it's not going to be a case of all when the Jews see the Antichrist standing in the temple that all of Israel is going to get up and flee, all 16 million, because we said there would be roughly about 16 million Jews living in Israel at that time. They're not all going to get up and recognize the sign and then flee. That's not the case at all. It'll only be the Lord's disciples 
just like it was in, on, the, on the first occasion in AD 66. It was only the Lord's disciples that recognized the sign and then fled Israel. Um, in the second, uh, on the second occasion, it will be exactly the same thing. It will only be the Lord's disciples that will recognize that sign. They will drop everything and they will flee. Because that's our Lord's counsel. So you think about it logically. I mean, even um, because we, we're going to get into it now, because as a result of that, the armies, Muslim armies will invade Israel. And is, the Israeli army will be defeated. But our Lord's counsel, even to... Um, Disciples who might be in the army at that time is you know, just drop it, leave because uh, the Lord is just saying, guys, it's it's a, it's a futile thing to try and resist that invasion because it's just you know it's not going to win. Um, you know, it's a it's a predestined event that will occur, and so our Lord's counsel even to military personnel who are his disciples is that that's your sign, you have to leave, and so they. The disciples who recognize, they will leave and they will go into the wilderness. And that's when they will obviously be encounter the Lord's two witnesses in the wilderness. And uh, there will then be the, the multitudes of the Jews that will come into the kingdom. But the point that I wanted to get across here is that the, the sign given to the disciples on the second event is very short. First event, they got four years notification. Um, but the second event, our Lord says you can't pack. You've got to drop whatever you're doing and you've got to go. And that's when you go to flee into the wilderness. So how does the Antichrist get into the temple on that occasion? Because we've said it, it's not through the invasion of, he, of the Muslim armies that gets him to that point. Because if that were the case, then our Lord missed it. Because then you know, his, his disciples would not have been able to flee in time. But our Lord didn't miss it. And so we saw also when we looked at the person of the Antichrist, it's at that time that the assassination attempt is made on his life. And so there seems to be something that is able that the Antichrist is able to maneuver that allows him to be brought into the temple on that particular day. Now don't forget, he's already negotiated the seven-year peace treaty between Israel and the Muslim nations. So it looks like he will be invited in as a dignitary to Jerusalem on this particular occasion, he will be in the temple on this particular occasion, and as a, an invite from the Jews, completely unsuspecting of what he has planned. Um, it is at that time that the assassination attempt is made on his life, in front of everyone, the whole, and he recovers miraculously, everybody sees that. As a result of that, then and only then, do the Muslim armies then invade Israel. And that's when the Great Tribulation breaks out. Um, and so that's the timeline, a very short timeline, but nevertheless, as I say, our Lord does say to the disciples, you will have enough time to leave if you leave straight away. But if you tarry at all, if you try and pack anything, you're not going to have enough time. You have to drop everything and go, because that's it. So that's just showing you that when this event occurs in the temple, um, that the armies, the Muslim armies will invade straight away and Israel's army will be taken completely by surprise and be completely overrun. And so just to have a look at how the Antichrist comes into the temple on that occasion, on that particular event, uh, Daniel 8, 23, 25, the scripture says, And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise having fierce features who understands sinister schemes. 
His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy fearfully and shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Through his cunning, he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule, and he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without human means. Now, we did have a look at that in the previous teaching when we dealt with the person of the Antichrist. Um, but it's not, through, we, we just wanted to show that from this passage that it's not through the invasion of his armies that he gains access to the temple. It's through his cunning and his deceit that he gains access to the temple on this particular occasion. And so that, that it's very important for us to recognize how the Antichrist will gain access to the temple on that day. Daniel 9.27, the scripture says, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wings of an abomination one shall one be shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. And so it's at this time, halfway through his seven-year reign, he gets invited into Israel as a, a, a person of peace who has, you know, and uh, it looks like Israel is celebrating the fact that she's at peace with the Muslim neighbors. Uh, you know, I'm just filling in some blanks here. But he gets into that temple by invite because it, he doesn't go in there by invasion. He gets there by invite. It's at that time that this assassination attempt is made on his life. And in front of everybody, he is then um, miraculously healed. And he then calls for the armies of uh, Islam to invade Israel. And that's exactly what transpires. Israel is taken completely by surprise. And we pick up, uh, a, there's a couple of accounts in Scripture that talk about this event of Israel being invaded by foreign armies in the last days. And we pick up the first account is in Zechariah 14, verse 1 to, 3, uh, to, 1 to 4. Scripture says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. And so we see very clearly here that there is going to be an invasion of armies, foreign armies, into Israel at the time. The Bible says, God says, I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem and the city shall be taken. And the houses rifled and the women ravished and half the city shall go into captivity. Uh, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And then he goes on the very big next uh, verse, in verse 3, Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations. That is referring to the battle of Armageddon. If you carry on reading Zechariah in that passage, that's a description of the battle of Armageddon that takes place. Now there is, between verse 2 and verse 3, when the Lord goes to fight against those nations, those nations that invade Israel, there's a, a, a gap of three years. Well, three, sorry, six and, a, six and a half years, because 
Um, when the, the armies of the, the Antichrist invade Israel, that's at the start of his three and a half year reign um, from the temple. Then we said at the end of the three and a half year reign, that's when the church is raptured out of the, out of the earth, including the Lord's two witnesses are taken out of the earth. And then the wrath of God is poured out on the earth for the three year period. That's the 2,300 days spoken of in the book of Daniel, um, where it talks about the temple being defiled, and then at the end of that uh, 2,300 days, the temple is cleansed. And that, that occurs at the end of the wrath of God, we poured out in three, for that three-year period. Our Lord returns with His saints, and that's when this uh, verse 3 takes place. Then the Lord will go forth, forth and fight against those nations, and that talks about the battle of Armageddon. But before all of that, six and a half years before the Battle of Armageddon, that's when the invasion of Israel takes place by the armies of the Antichrist. And that's when verse 1 and 2 occur in Zechariah's prophecy, in that the nations battle against Jerusalem, the city is taken, the houses are rifled, and the women are ravished. And so, you know, it's a very graphic uh, account of that particular invasion. It'll take Israel completely by surprise. She'll be overrun. And the majority of the Jews will still be Jews observing the, the, the Old Covenant, as we've said. Um, our Lord's disciples will not be in that, because our Lord's disciples would have recognized the, the sign given to them, and they would have left. And so they would be in the wilderness when the uh, Muslim armies invade. Um, they would have just made it into the wilderness under the protection of Moses and Elijah. But the vast majority of the Jews will be taken completely by surprise, and they will go through it. Psalm 79 is again a very graphic account of this uh, event that's still to take place in Israel. Um, from verse 1 to 13, the scripture says, O God, the nations have come into your inheritance. Your holy temple they have defiled. Now, very important we pick up on that point, because... The, again, in the book of Daniel, the angel said, from the time the temple is defiled, talking about when the Antichrist stands in the temple, until it is cleansed, it is 2,300 days. And so here in the psalmist, he's talking about your holy temple they have defiled. And so this is futuristic, because this is a defiling of the temple. This is not a destruction of the temple. Because in other accounts where the temple was uh, the Lord spoke about the temple being destroyed. In fact, it was destroyed. That was the, the first time the temple was destroyed, 587 BC. And then the second time the temple was destroyed was 70 AD. But in this occasion, they talk about the defiling of the temple, not the destruction of the temple. This is futuristic. Um, they have laid Jerusalem in heaps. The dead bodies of your servants, they have given us food for the birds of the heavens, the flesh of your saints for the beasts of the earth. Their blood they have shed like water all around Jerusalem, and there's no one to bury them. We have become a reproach to our neighbors, the Muslim neighbors, a scorn and derision to those who are around us, talking about the Muslim nations around uh, Israel. How long, Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your wrath on the nations that do not know you and on the kingdoms that do not call in your name. For they have devoured Jacob, and laid waste his dwelling place. Oh, do not remember former iniquities against us. Let your tender mercies come speedily to meet us, for we have been brought very low. 
Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name, and deliver us and provide atonement for our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nations say, Where is their God? Let there be known among the nations in our sight the avenging of the blood of your servants which have been shed. Let the groaning of the prisoner come before you. According to the greatness of your power, preserve those who are appointed to die and return to our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom their reproach which, with which they have reproached you, O Lord. So we, your people, and the sheep of your pasture will give thanks you thanks forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. And so this is a, an account of the invasion of the neighbors of Israel um, on that occasion when the Antichrist stands in the temple. And that temple is then defiled. Now Jerusalem will lay in heaps because it will be a war that will break out. A very short fought war in which the Israeli army will be overrun. Because she will be taken completely by surprise. But the temple will not be destroyed. The temple will be defiled. In the two previous occasions where Israel has been overrun, um, the temple in both occasions was actually destroyed. The first one, 587 BC, and the second one in 70 AD. But on this occasion, the temple is only defiled, it is not destroyed. And that's very important for us to recognize because that is the temple that our Lord Jesus Christ will cleanse when he comes back to the earth, and it's from that temple that he will set up his millennial reign. Then another account in scripture that also describes this is in Psalm 83, verse 1 to 13. The scripture says, Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace, and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, Come, let us cut them off from being a nation, that they, the name of Israel may be remembered no more. Verse 5, And they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you, the tents of Edom the, and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagarites, Gebel, Ammon and Amalek, Philistia and the inhabitants of Tyre. Inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria has also joined with them, and they have helped the children of Lot. Oh my God, make them like a whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind. And so this is the, the confederacy of Muslim nations, because all of those nations um, referred to in the Psalms today are Muslim nations, if you go look on a map geographically. And that's the, the neighbors that will invade Israel in the last days. And it is those ones that God will then destroy when he returns to the earth. That's the fourth kingdom that will invade Israel and destroy Israel in the, in the, in the last days. And so, um, you know, the, the Jews are in for a Torah time. And because, don't forget now, at that moment, that's when the Antichrist begins to set up his reign in the earth. In that now he really wants to destroy the Jews and he wants to destroy the Christians. Um, because now he's, it's all out war. And the reason for that is because Satan will know that his time is short. Everything that takes place in the natural always is as a result of that which has taken place in the spirit realm first. And so the, the, the background, spiritually speaking, to that event happening is this account in Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 to 17. The scripture says, And war broke out in heaven. 
Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, and he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast out. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not live their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows he has a short time. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time, from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed out his, of his mouth a flood like uh, after the woman, uh, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so we see that just prior to this event happening, where the Antichrist stands in the temple, that war has broken out in heaven. And Michael and his angels have fought against Satan and his angels and have now cast them out of heaven. Because currently that's where Satan and his, his angels uh, uh, reside. Spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies, uh, the book of Ephesians teaches us. But that is coming to an end. Now what will happen is Satan and his angels will be cast to the earth and recognize, okay, now time is very short. And so they will, with Satan specifically with great wrath, will then try to destroy Israel. Uh, he talks about a flood coming out of his mouth. But uh, God is able to assist Israel. And we saw that the two witnesses will be in the wilderness, that she has a time, uh, time times and half a time, uh, prepared for her in the wilderness where she can flee too. And so it's the Lord's disciples, Jewish disciples, that will flee there. But nevertheless, there will be great uh, persecution from that time that will break out against the Jews and against the Christians. Because Satan will know that his time is very short. He really only has uh, 42 months left in which to inflict as much damage as he can. And so that's exactly what he will do. And that is when the great tribulation will break out in the earth. And we're going to end the teaching on that point today. We're going to close off in the next teaching on the Great Tribulation itself. And then we would have finished this series on the last days. Amen. Okay.